together and celebrating together. So today is really a, a thank you, but it's also an encouragement. Encouragement for what we do next and what does that look like. And so I encourage you with that. The profound truth is this, that the church's, its, church, its own DNA is comprised by its design of volunteers. It is a volunteer organisation, if you like that word. I don't like the word with church, but that's what it is. We're a group of volunteers that come together and that is the power of the church. It truly lies within men and women and young people and children who are offering their gifts to serve and see God's redemptive plan come to fruition. That's why we do what we do. And we can never fully see what God will do through us unless God is doing that with us. So we work and co-labor with God. We are partnering with God. God could do it all on his own. God could save the whole world if he wanted to. But he, he asked us to be part of that redemptive plan and to be part of that purpose for his kingdom's sake. But it's not just a church that is blessed by volunteers. There are many organisations that are, we are so blessed and indebted to. We can think of a few, the Apex Club, the local CFA, where we have a number of members in here as well in the church, SES, the Rotary Club, the Lions Club, you go on and on. And there are many other charitable organisations as well that uh, contribute to this area of building and raise, raising up what they can do is through the volunteer. But I think the church is the one that stands out the most and it's probably where my greatest heart is, but I, I love to be in part of other organisations that serve as well, particularly because they serve our community and different uh, sections of our community. So the church thrives. It, 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 it functions on the want of volunteers at all levels. And that's the ministry that we, we engage with and we see God work through us. In recent times, the church and the churches are, are, are going through a process where now with governance and other issues that, that there's the line where it maybe was blurry, it, it's becoming very fine-tuned. And there are expectations, there are requirements, there are things that we have to comply with to even have the doors open. Challenges that we never faced. When I started ministry 26, 27 years ago, it was never the case. You want to serve God? Yes. Someone got saved and I was serving God that Sunday. Now we have different checks and balances that make it so, so awkward at times. But they're necessary. Without them, we, we fall under uh, what God's best would be in the sense of the community uh, perceiving the church to be. And you know for the reasons of that. The dynamic or the key dynamic that results from volunteers is the sense of being mobilised, empowered and used by God. It really provides a tremendous satisfaction in one's life of giving up of our time and our energy and our life, our very life, to serve God's house. And this is what we're celebrating today. For many of you, I want you to know today that you haven't gone unnoticed. We love you, we appreciate you and we thank you. For some of you, you may be going, well, this is a bit unusual. I'm not used to this. We, do we have a, we, we do it in different ways, but, but you know what, it's my heart always is that we want to have every year, maybe more than once, but at least start with the center saying thank you to you 
Thank you for Christ in you, the hope of glory, allowing us to, to be and do and say what we need to do and say. See, there'd be no kids' ministry if there was no volunteers. Narrowly, who, who heads that up is a volunteer. And the many who come and support in that area, what about youth? We wouldn't have youth if there wasn't volunteers. Or worship. And thank the Lord, clean toilets. That was a bit of a joke that no one even... <laughs> you can laugh at that's okay. We do have clean toilets. Which are very clean, might I add. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, the laughter of small children. That's why Jesus would always embrace the small children. The disciples didn't like it. It was like, it's beneath you, Jesus. And Jesus said, nah. Unless you become like one of them, you can't enter the kingdom of God. So Volunteer Sunday is really about seeing what God has done and allowing what God has done in each of our hearts to be made manifest. That God would flow through our heart and our soul and our spirit into our lives as we interconnect, but also into the lives around about us and our community, to represent him. It's his testimony, like we just heard before, shining through us, so that the world may know that the hope that we have is real, it's genuine. The government knows and understands that if you take away the church and the churches and organisations and parachurch organisations, it would cost billions of dollars that the government could never afford and never provide. There was a lot of talk back uh, some years ago when there was a, a, um, a consideration made by, I can't even think of the guy's name, whereby they were looking at the fringe benefits that would impact a lot of hospitals and nursing homes and churches and they were looking at, uh, trying to think of the guy's name, Ken someone, I think it was. And it was quite serious that, that if they were to take that away, it says this is, we could save our spending by $30 billion if we, we would have, by way of, we'd have more money come in. We would have income of an extra $30 billion. But someone did the figures and said it would actually cost you more, around like $140 billion if you didn't have it. So the charitable organisations, the work that the churches do, you think of city mission and other areas and, and groups, how vital is that for our community to sustain our community? So volunteer really runs deep within the fabric of not only the church and through Christians, but of course it runs through into the fabric of many areas of expression. And it's a heart that we partner with God for his kingdom. J. Elizabeth Andrews said, Volunteers don't necessarily have the time, they just have the heart. That's so true. Serving is an act of following God in God's likeness from our very own heart. It's his nature. See, God is generous. And God is serving us all the time. He's serving us with his presence. He's serving us with his grace. He's serving us with his mercy. He's serving us by answering our prayers, listening to our prayers. He doesn't have to. But he wants to. He serves us. And we can have that confidence to know that when we come, we can pray. He hears us. He, he listens. He's attentive to our prayer. And God desires to shine through us. In 2 Corinthians 2.25, it says, for we, are, uh, for we are all to God a pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and for those who are 
being perishing. One author says, I think this is one of my favorite definitions of church, there are many, that the church is a community of blessing, a community blessed by God so that it can bless others. And that's why we're here. We're here to be encouraging ourselves to, to bless in a sense and share the blessing, but also the blessing is not to be contained, it is to flow through, always to flow through. Sometimes the simplest definition of a volunteer is someone who free, freely, without any legal obligation, chooses to act in recognition of a need. Pastor Rick Warren says great opportunities are often disguise themselves in small tasks. In Mark 10, 43 to 45, Jesus says, but it, but, but it must not be amongst you or with you. In relation to the James and John asking, who can be the greatest? Can we sit on the left and right? And Jesus said, that's not the, what, the question you should be asking. But whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be the first among you will be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, this is the key verse of the whole book of Mark. This is the one verse that sums up the whole book. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even God himself volunteered to save us. Christ was not forced. He was not coerced. He knew that this is what he needed to do and he wanted to do it. Even understanding the dilemma and the challenge that that would mean. I love what it says in Philippians. It says that Jesus reveals the true heart of servanthood, which requires the emptying of self. And that's in Philippians 2.7, that Christ emptied himself as a model, an example of what volunteer heart and spirit looks like. Isn't that why we're here? We're constantly on that journey and sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. It's a challenge at times. I'm sure Jesus found it challenging. I'm sure the disciples found it challenging. In fact, I believe right from Genesis to Revelation, it's a record of the challenge to serve and to follow God. And to give. There's a sense of where we die to self. And only when we die to self does something truly become alive. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us. How crazy is that? God already knows what we can do. It's amazing. We also know that we'll give an account for what we did. That's in Romans 14. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. Rick Warren says in his book, Purpose Driven Church, he speaks about this. He says that there are between 500 and 700 abilities that each of us have been given. Talents, abilities, perceptions, all these things that, that collide together and come together. Really, that says to me, we're actually all overqualified. But that doesn't, shouldn't stop us from serving. In fact, it should encourage us. See, for me, serving is transformational. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was living for me and I was living for a lot of other things. I was living for the sin that was controlling me. I was living for people, other things, and all that. But when I became a Christian, it all changed. Not overnight, but it started that gradual process where I just had to wonder, why am I here? 
And I started to serve, and I, I, we, some of the things that we did first is we brought a van, didn't we, Gabe? Rotten thing it was. It was a Nissan, a Nissan E20. I had to work on an engine that smoked like Puff and Billy. You couldn't follow us in it. Had to redo the steel stems one night, and uh, or before um, we were going on our anniversary, uh, uh, honeymoon, sorry, and had to work on it all, all through the night. But we brought this van with the idea that we could pick people up for church. And we did. And we wanted the youth to use it. There was a 14-seater, but you can't have a license 14, so we had to take two seats out. That was okay. I should put a fit picture on it. It's quite funny. It's an old bus. It, was, it still haunts me to this day. No. But it was a great opportunity. It was a blessing. And we, just, we brought it to say, here, church, use it. We would pick up people who, who were able to get to church. The things I was doing prior to becoming a Christian was, had nothing to do with anything like that. It was so self-seeking and so about me. When I became a Christian, everything changed. And the inside stuff had to start to change. And I thought, I want to live for God. I want to serve God. How do I do that? What does it look like? And we had to ask God. What is it that you want me to do, Lord? So for me, serving is transformational. It is losing my life, lending my life to another. Describing its, it, my purpose and my meaning. My sense of enjoyment and satisfaction. Again, Rick Warren uh, says this, and he makes reference of our gifts and our talents, and something I've used over the years with training of leaders I use this principle. He speaks of shape. Maybe some of you are aware of it. If you've read the book, you'll be aware of it. I think there are a lot of resources out there, but I like this because it's quite simple and and quite palatable. Shape is acronym for this. S is for spiritual gifts. Excuse me, I'm just getting water. As you can tell, I've not been 100% this week either for some reason. Okay. S is for spiritual gifts. Each of us have been given and endowed with gifts to serve others. It's not about ourselves or being selfish, but it means that we're giving our best to God. H is for our heart. Heart things refer to things we like, things that are interest us or, or values. Some of us, we, we serve in areas that are really close to our heart. I have a saying over the years that I learned that where you hurt for is where you have a heart for. Some of the greatest people I've known who have been working with people with drug-affected uh, people and lives and young people are people who have had their lives or even their children's lives affected by drugs. And what they hurt for, they become at births of ministry. How many ministries are birthed out of our pains and our hurts and our frustrations? Many, too many to even count right now. Thousands have been birthed. Charities that we see now, even today, run out of certain pain. Whether someone dying from cancer or this situation or that, it causes us to rise up and fight against it and to do something to combat it. So H is for heart. A is for abilities. Abilities, natural talents that you were born with. And we all have natural talents and we're so different. And you, some of you are just so amazing at doing what you do. I definitely couldn't do what Angela does. And yet, in fact, I was doing something the other day and Angela came in and she solved it. In about 20 seconds, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> and I've been sitting there trying to work out, why is this not working? 
<laughs> and God had called you, and I said to Gabe, I'm sure she was just called in to be the angel in that moment uh, to help me sort out why I just couldn't get my head around her. We each have such amazing gifts and talents and abilities and perceptions. And it just helps us to pull together that resource and see God do amazing things. P is for personality. Your personality, God wants to use it. It'll affect how and what you do. Uh, There's been two people who, are, who have the gift of evangelism, but one has a, temp, one has a, uh, a temperament and uh, uh, is very extrovert. One is introvert. They will express that in a different way, in a different style. It works differently. Your personality plus temperament and character. And he is for experience. Our experiences help us to serve, helps us to have compassion. It helps us to, to, to walk with people on their journey that's quite painful because we're, we're, again, born from that pain and we've learned and we've walked through it and so it helps us. They say teacher, our experience is a great teacher and a student of life in our environment of living. That's really so briefly because you can see we go right in, impact and unpack that and to really find our shape. Often with young people, there's always at a point, many of the questions have been, what, do I, what does God want me to do? What does it look like? How do I, I serve him? I say, just, just say yes to something if you're not sure. Just start help with the kids. Just, just on the door. I started serving on the door. I started wanting to pick people up if I could pick people up and bring them to church. I just said, I found a need. There was a need and I, I just wanted to fill it. There are different processes and different things that we have to go through. I get it. That's just the nature of wanting to be a server. As we serve, we reflect God's glory. And as we serve others, they get a picture of our Heavenly Father. In 1 Peter 2.12, sorry, it says, live such lives such good life, sorry, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glory the Father or glorify God on the day that he visits us. Our actions reflect our belief of heart and our passion. In John chapter 13, there's a lot more about this, but Jesus gives us the example of servanthood and the model to follow. In John 13, 15, he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Love and serve. Jesus called us to serve so that we may be an example. By serving, we contribute to building his kingdom. God takes the ministry we do and uses it to influence the course of eternity in the lives of others. Sometimes we think of what we've done. Did it count? Did it matter? But it always does because we leave it with God. As we heard before, one sows, another waters, but God gives the increase. We don't know what part of that journey we're on. We don't know if we're sowing the seed or it's time to reap the harvest. We don't know, but we don't, we're not bothered by what we don't know. We're not deterred by what we don't know. We choose still to follow. Some of you remember a guy, or know a guy called Eric Liddell? They made a movie about him. It was titled Chariots of Fire. There's so many stories I could just, just share, but for time. And he, he compared his running to serving God. 
He was called to be a missionary to China, and he, he bled for China. He cried for China, but he also realized on furlough when he'd come back with his family, as a young boy, he would get to run in races, and he was really good. He was really fast. And he was torn between, do I go to China or do I run? But he realized I didn't need to be torn. It was okay for both. And there were seasons. He says this, he says, this is what he said, I believe that both running and serving God were the same thing. He said, I believe that God made me for a purpose for China, but he also made me fast. He said, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. It's not just fun to win, but to win is to honour him. And that's such well said. In 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, those who honour me, I will honour. Ladell saw himself as a servant of God, even with the great gifts and abilities that he had, and nothing more. His speed gave him reason to glorify God. And that's what it was all about. And he served God after the Olympics in 1924, after winning the gold medal in the 400 dash and the bronze 200. He returned to China where he eventually died there, but he was living for God. Truly remarkable. And how many thousands of people do that? Eric Ladau unlocked the secret of a passionate life, a sold-out life, a life that reflected Victory at every instance that just said, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. We read in Colossians, it won't be up on the screen, but in chapter three, and it says, put your heart and soul into every activity that you do as though you're doing it for the Lord and not merely for others or people. See, our serving, to, serving when we serve in, in different areas of ministry, it's never really for that person. It may help them be part of the team, part of the ministry. When I serve, as a pastor, I serve the church, I serve the district, I serve, I actually serve the Lord first. I serve the Lord first. It's always how I've seen it, it's always how I will probably see it. For we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. Someone said this, if you could put passion passionate, passion in a can, you could sell it for millions of dollars. So how do we serve? Some of us may be at a different age where we can't serve like we used to, and we want to honour you. This is a celebration of you, as well as those who are serving today. Let us serve with, with, with our love. Let us serve with kindness. Let us serve with our hope. Let us serve with our generosity. Let us serve with our faith and our prayers. Let us serve with goodness. Let us serve with forgiveness. Let us serve with acceptance. Let us serve with kindness and let us serve with action. Let us serve with our words. Let us serve with everything. In 1 Peter 4.10 it says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, each of you should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve one another. I'm going to close with the thought of Exodus. 
we've been going through the journey of Exodus and we've really just looked at chapter one through to mainly three and chapter four. But at the very end of the book, the journey of God taking them out of Egypt is that God then established a tabernacle. He said, I'm with you and I want you to understand and respect. And so they all had to get together and they all had to do and bring everything that they had to build this. It was built to a particular pattern. They weren't allowed to just go build it and just slap some things together. It was God gave all the instructions on how to build this. So they had how it should be built. How long, how high, what colour, what type of material, who, what, how. All of Israel, really, all of God's people had to bring all this after coming out of Egypt. And so we, we look at this, and there were two individuals that became like the, the, uh, the foremans under Moses who made sure that the building was built right and to spec. And it's in the book of Exodus, I love you to read it, but in just a few verses just here, verse one. And the Lord had gifted Bezal and Anar, there's a different, couple of different ways you can pronounce that, but excuse me, that's a bit off. And the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. In verse 2 it says, So Moses summoned both Bezalel and Oahar and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get the work done. Oh, they were so excited. We know that they started to complain and they missed it, but then God started to set this thing up and guys, I've released you, I've set you free, I've saved you, I've delivered you. But now I need you to come and we're going to fellowship together. I want to make covenant with you. I want to be in relationship with you. So Moses went on, and this is really interesting because in all my time in church, I've never experienced this, never experienced it. Oh, I want to, I pray this day. I pray I would live to see this day. So they were asked to bring all the, the material, the fine linen, the goat's hair, everything. And so they do. But something happened, they brought so much that there was no room for it. It was too much. <laughs> this, is, this is a great giving message right here. I've shared that a couple of times over the years. And this is what it says. So they went to Moses and reported, the people have given uh, more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to build. So Moses gave the command, stop giving. Oh, I want that day. Oh, I want that day. That would be just amazing. We'd love that day, wouldn't we, Angela's treasurer? <laughs> She's just in there going, please, Lord. <laughs> People have given so much. So Moses gave the command and his message was sent out throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. The contributions were more enough to complete the whole project. Oh, that's an amazing verse. It started rough, but it ends so amazingly. I love this. It's such an encouragement. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And I encourage you as we close, I encourage you that we are all called to serve in different ways, different capacities, with different skill sets, with different abilities. Some can sing, some can play an instrument, some can do both. Some can lead well as service leaders. And, and be diligent in so many areas and serve. Some can speak, 
Some try to preach. <laughs> but we're all gifted in different ways. And I love that about God. We're not meant to be the same. No, I'm not meant to be you and you're not meant to be me. We're meant to be just all that God has called us. So I thank you to everyone who serves. I thank you this year for everyone who has served. Those who are on the, uh, on the elders, Andrew, and there was also Grenville, 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 Grenville. In the diaconate, Nathan and Glenelg. People have served in different areas and we honour Kerry as she spoke so wonderfully today. That Kerry is stepping out of her leadership role which she technically tried to step out 12 months ago. But the need, because she saw the need. But now the time is that she needs to step out. It was only you, Kerry, in all your leadership of, of mission. And for the team that's been around and part of that. We're so thankful everyone who serves at different levels who put decorations up, who helped cook today, helped set the tea and coffee. And we know that we, we're so thankful those who pay the bills and check the invoices and make sure that the power bill is paid, that we can open the doors. Thank you, Angela. <laughs> and I can for that. We're just so blessed in so many ways. So today is saying thank you. Thank you that you're serving with who you are. Encourage the young people. Young people, encourage our, our seniors and our mature ones in the faith. And let's continue to think and work and be all that God has called us to be. A generational church that is going to make a difference, not only within the church, but outside of the four walls. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord, and may you continue to speak to us. Because we're all in a building that someone had vision for and someone paid for, and someone gave to it. And so we're amazed at your provision, Lord. And today we just want to acknowledge, Lord, your grace and your goodness over UBC, over the many years, over the seasons, and even over the season right now. And may we continue to step in and forge forward with that amazing grace that we've been singing about and declaring this morning. And may we truly know that however we do it and whatever way it looks like and sounds like and whatever expression it is, that Lord, ultimately we're serving you, we're loving you, and we're loving you through loving people and reaching them for Jesus' name. William Booth said this, he said, I can't stop. If there's one drunkard, I can't stop. If there's one little girl on the streets, I can't stop. If there's one homeless person, I can't stop. If there's one person who needs to hear the gospel, I can't stop giving. I can't stop being what he's called me to be. And today we see the Salvation Army that really rose on those statements and has built on those statements of doing what God birthed in his heart to do. And may we also truly own what God has called us to do and birth in our hearts. In Jesus' name.